Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks so much for being with me here today. It is Tuesday, June the 16th. On today's show, there was a school board meeting last night for School District 73, and I'm going to be joined now by the chair of the board, Kathleen Carpug. That's going to be coming up in about 15 minutes or so. And BC Hydro has noticed that throughout this pandemic, well, there hasn't really been much of a change in the way of, you know, amount of electricity being used, but there are definitely some changes in uh, when people are doing things, right? Getting up a little bit later, going to bed a little bit later. We'll get into all the details of a recent study that was released here last week about how people's habits have changed throughout the course of this pandemic. But, well, to begin today's show, some pretty exciting news, I think. Ride hailing is coming to Kamloops starting on July 1st. I caught up with Martin Vandenhemmel with Cabu Ride to discuss the launch of the service on Canada Day. And I started by asking about the excitement level of finally seeing ride hailing and Cabu Ride enter the local market. We're thrilled. Uh, we've got uh, an amazing partnership with a Kamloops-based business known as Tasteful Excursions. Uh, they've built up their business, um, you know, uh, earned a lot of respect in the community, um, building their business, uh, which they launched in 2014, in the transportation industry. The, that sector, the fact that they're um, running their business in, in a respectful fashion um, that's earned the respect of the community, um, that's exactly the type of partnership we want moving forward. How important was it to have that local partnership with someone who was already providing some transportation services in town in order to get things up, up and running here? Was that kind of critical to have some sort of, uh, you know, already a, a presence already in the community before you got underway? Absolutely critical. Local knowledge, it's uh, virtually impossible to replicate. We've been operating here in the Lower Mainland uh, since 2016, done 1.3 million trips for 100,000 customers. So we know the Lower Mainland very well. Although we know where Kamloops is on the map, uh, we don't know the ins and outs of the uh, of the community. And to create a service for a community like this, you really know, need to know the people, um, uh, the environment, uh, what the strengths and weaknesses are, what people really want, um, and, and then factoring all those things and delivering something that'll satisfy uh, everybody from the drivers to the customers for the public at large. Okay, and and now I guess let's start by asking about uh, you know how this is actually going to work. I think a lot of people, I'm sure, are very familiar with how things like Uber and Lyft worked, and, and your app is, I believe, going to be very, very similar to those, but maybe just take me through how the process of actually uh, you know hailing a ride, as, as people like to say, goes. How do, you, how do you go about doing that once you know Canada Day comes? You're officially able to uh, call a cabu ride uh, transportation service uh, here in Kamloops. How does one go about doing that? So first of all, people need to download the app. We've got uh, an iOS version that's available through the App Store and uh, an Android version that's available, available through Google Play. They need to download the app and then they need to register themselves and their phone for the service. Uh, once they've done that, uh, when Canada Day uh, uh, comes, um, we'll have a bunch of drivers that will be on the platform that day and they'll be able to connect directly with them and he'll ride through that app. 
And and what is going to kind of be your hours uh, of availability? Do you know right now? I mean, it's going to be very dependent, I assume, on just how many drivers you'll have operating in the community, which is probably not the easiest question to maybe ask right now. We're still two weeks out. So, this, um, you know, how, how available is the service? Do you know what time frames you guys are going to be operating at this stage is yet? Yeah, so we'll have more details. It's actually in the press release on how we're going to function on Canada Day. Uh, we'll launch uh, at 11 a.m. on Canada Day. Uh, and then work until 11 p.m. on Canada Day. And then the following day, we'll, we'll um, begin our operating hours in what I would call ride-hailing light. So what that means is from Sunday through Thursday, uh, we will offer service from 6 a.m. till 11 p.m. And then on Fridays and Saturdays, we'll offer service from 6 a.m. till 3 a.m in anticipation of the uh, province's economy uh, slowly starting to open up, ramp up. Uh, we believe that um, we're doing uh, so well in the province in terms of our COVID numbers that we'll be able to get the, to the different levels of phases uh, where uh, restaurants will be open um, more. Uh, you know, I think they'll reach like 50% capacity eventually. And I think uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry will then uh, allow uh, other uh, places of gathering to open up and the economy will slowly open up if, if we continue in the same direction. So we'll have those limited operating hours at the start, but then um, as, soon as, uh, as soon as the industry uh, can bear it and the market can bear it, uh, we will absolutely uh, have 24-7 uh, operations. So the plan is uh, to do that um, when there's enough customers that, that want the service uh, and there's enough drivers to meet the demand. Okay, and then, then do you know how many drivers you're going to have when things launch on July 1? Uh, that's a fluid number right now. Okay. Um, uh, we anticipate having dozens of drivers available on our platform when we launch. Okay, and for those listening, right, maybe there's some people out there who hear this and they think, you know, I, I've been wait, waiting for Kamloops to finally get a ride-hailing service so that I can be a driver and start picking people up and taking them to their destinations. What What's the process for becoming a driver for Cabu Ride? So they have to go to our website at kabu.ca. Uh, there's an application form there. They can also go to indeed.ca where we were taking applications as well. Uh, so in order to work in the ride healing industry, you have to have a class four, a class two, or a class one license. And then there's a bunch of other criteria that involves uh, passing a criminal record check, uh, having your vehicle inspected, uh, providing your driver's abstract, just a whole bunch of uh, measures uh, put in place uh, by the province to ensure the safety of the driver, the safety of the customer, and the safety of the general public. Uh, is there any requirements in terms of like age of vehicles or anything like that, or is it just like passing a safety? Uh, yes. Uh, so uh, the passenger transportation branch requires that the vehicle be uh, less than 10 years old. So our entire fleet will meet that uh, requirement. Okay, perfect. Um, and, you know, as you kind of go through this process, do you, is there a goal in mind for maybe how quick you're hoping to have a response time? Is, is, has that been something that's been discussed? Once you're in full operation and you've got, you know, your peak hours, you got all your drivers in place, you know what your demand is in Kamloops, do you have a target for how quickly you're hoping to be able to respond to calls? Yeah, so when we were operational here um, pre-COVID world, uh, we were doing 3,000 trips a day here in the Lower Mainland, and our average response time was six minutes. So you need to have a critical mass of drivers in order to do that, and you need to have the demand, obviously. And, and, and that's our goal, is to 
uh, when somebody launches the app, uh, that they get a, ri- a driver assigned to their um, route uh, within six minutes. Awesome. And just one more question, I think, here for you, because I'm just uh, I'm trying to clarify a little bit what's going on in terms of this um, partnership with Tasteful Excursions. So I know there's uh, uh, three uh, different types of rides that you can you can hail, right, or you can request, sorry, when you do book a ride through Caboo's app, right, whether it's right. Uh, basic, um, uh, a more, uh, I guess, luxury vehicle, if you will, and then, of course, the, the, the bigger mass transport, right, where you're looking at five-plus people potentially being there. So is Tasteful right. Excursions going to basically basically be in charge of some of those larger groups? Is that sort of their part of their partnership? Or uh, can you maybe just give me a little more details about how exactly this partnership works in terms of what Tasteful Excursions will be offering customers? So Tasteful Excursions is going to bring a lot to the table, and that's the reason we partnered with them. Uh, they've built their business since 2014, a real top-notch um, ownership group, uh, treating their, their drivers very, very well, um, and, and, and um, the customers... Are, are really satisfied, um, and the, and the chamber uh, really respects all the work that they've done. So they bring a lot to the table, and so what they'll be doing with Kabu is a bunch of things. And we're not really, we're, we're, we're our partnership is growing every day. Okay. So um, we're, we're we're not limiting it, but at this point, what we're doing with them is um, they're going to help us to uh, uh, onboard drivers, class four, class two, class one drivers, um, as well as uh, help us to navigate. Um, the industry uh, as it needs to be in Kamloops. So they're helping us to, to set the hours of operation, for example, um, uh, to help us connect with the right people, other businesses, uh, where there might be some synergies uh, with Kabu. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the time, Martin. Really appreciate it and really excited about the service. So looking yeah, forward absolutely. to Canada Day. Sounds great. That was Martin Vandenhemmel with Cabu Ride, which will begin offering rides to Kamloopsians on July 1st. So we'll see how uh, that service rollout works exactly on uh, Canada Day. That's when things are going to start rolling in terms of ride hailing here in Kamloops. Finally catching up here to uh, what seems like the rest of the world. Of course, British Columbia kind of behind everywhere else when it comes to ride hailing and ride sharing services. But now we're getting there and it's going to be coming to Kamloops here in just about, uh, well, two weeks time. Really, two weeks tomorrow, I guess, is the actual date of Canada Day. So not long now before we have that service. And uh, of course, in our news run today, too, we have some reaction from the local business community about what uh, that means for taxi companies as well, which of course is a relationship that is uh, sort of in progress, if you will. All right, well, let's take a break here. I'm going to come back. I'm going to be joined by the chair of the board for the School District 73. There was a board meeting last night, and we'll get into the details of that meeting after this. So stick around, and the Jeff Andrea Show will be right back. The voice of your community, Radio NL 610 AM News Talk at RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks for being with me here on June 16th. There was a school board meeting last night for School District 73, and I'm joined now by the chair of the board, Kathleen Carpa. Kathleen, how are you doing here on this Tuesday? I'm good, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, well, thanks so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. So before we get into the full-on agenda from yesterday, I just want to ask how things are going in, in SD73. We heard from the provincial health officer yesterday who said that school was going well, although it hasn't been perfect. She said it has been going about as well as could be expected. So I just wanted to get your thoughts. Do you agree with Dr. Bonnie Henry's comments that when it comes to Kamloops-Thompson School District, things are going about as well as, as people could have hoped for? 
They are going um, fairly smoothly. Um, obviously, there's the occasional hiccup, which we're working our way through. But um, all in all, it's um, been quite good. Um, we've had a good uptake for kids coming back into school, considering that it is the last month of the school year. And so we're, we're pleased with how it's going. And you did get an attendance report yesterday as well as part of the, the school board meeting. So how are things looking in terms of an attendance level or attendance record? I mean, are, are the majority of kids coming back to school now? So what we're seeing is higher attendance for elementary school students, um, which isn't surprising. And um, when we have a maximum of 50% of kids allowed to be in an elementary school at any time, and we're seeing some schools that had um, 46% of um, students attend. So that's good. Uh, It means that we've got uh, a lot of students coming back. Um, so quite happy with that. Um, and then slightly lower, um, attendance at high schools, but a lot of those students are much able to, are much more able to, uh, do online learning uh, independently and not needing as much teacher contact. So we're pleased. Good. That's great to see. And and one of the things I did notice when I looked through that uh, attendance record was just a, it sort of broke it down by day, right, in terms of how many people are coming on, on each day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And it looked like Tuesday uh, was the more popular day for kids to attend school. Is that uh, is that something that was surprising at all? I mean, I guess when you look at, uh, you know, Monday's not really a school day now throughout this uh, altered school week that we're seeing right now. So Tuesday's sort of the, the first week or first day of the school week. So not not surprising, I guess, that that would probably be the most uh, sought-after day for people to want to return to school. Is that also sort of what you saw when you looked at this breakdown by day? Um, we did see that some days were had higher student attendance than others. Um, I don't know that we would be able to pull out a reason for that, um, but we do have kids uh, in elementary. They're attending Tuesdays and Wednesdays for one group and Thursdays and Fridays for the other group. Perfect. So uh, we do see different groups coming on different days. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. It's uh, just something that I, I kind of looked at very, very briefly. I didn't spend a whole lot of time paying too much attention. It was just something that I thought was kind of interesting just on a on a quick peek when I was looking at that chart. Um yeah, so I guess, I mean, one of the things that I've kind of been looking at or, or thinking about when, when we're talking about this return to school, right, it's very short. We're talking about just the month of June here, three to four weeks of, of people being back in school for any sort of regular type of class setting, if you will. Um, I mean, just to, to kind of wrap up this portion of our conversation, but is this a pretty good learning experience right now to what things are going to look like in September? Like, has, has a lot been learned here over the course of these first two weeks back, and you have two more weeks left here before the summer officially hits? and I assume we're going to learn quite a few lessons here uh, to be able to carry forward into September. It's definitely um, been a good learning opportunity for the district. Um, We've put a lot of planning into um, how we brought students back for for this month. 
Um, it gives us a really good uh, idea of things that we're going to need to consider for September. We don't know at this time what September is going to look like because uh, we're still waiting on what numbers are going to be through the summer. We may be able to return back to uh, mostly normal. We may see a second wave. So we don't know exactly what September is going to look like. So we're planning multiple different scenarios so that we're ready for whatever happens. Um, so we'll make sure that the health and safety of our staff and our students is our highest priority. Well, I will keep my fingers crossed that we can go with the uh, best case scenario because I think that's what we're all looking forward to here uh, once the summer comes to an end. Now, of course, we're more than just pandemic talk at the uh, school board meeting yesterday. One of the things that was on the agenda as well was Sun Peak School looking at going to a four-day week for grades eight and nine. What's the latest there? looks like it may be not something that the school board is thinking about really at this point in time. At this point, we're not able to go to a four-day week for the high school at Sun Peaks. Uh, in order to do that, we would have to have an agreement with the teachers' union to modify their contract in order to do that. Um, and at this point, they were not willing to uh, talk about modifications in a way that would uh, extend the school day uh, and lengthen their workday. And uh, for that reason, we're not able to uh, move to a four-day week for high school students at Sun Peaks. Okay, and that's just something, I guess, that, you know, parents and, and others in the area were hoping to see, would like to go to that four-day work or four-day school week, excuse me, and just, you know, something that potentially, I guess, could be looked at further down the road here? Again, uh, it would require uh, modifications to the teacher's contract. That's something that we are not able to just do unilaterally. Right. It has to be an agreement with the union. They have to be wanting to do that. And at this point, they uh, indicated that that wasn't something that they were prepared to enter into negotiations on. Okay, fair enough. Now, I uh, also got a report yesterday uh, on the use of surveillance within the district. A number of schools, um, I'll just to remember here earlier in the year, it feels like forever ago, but there was a number of schools that did receive some some threats that interrupted school days, um, and there was no real video surveillance at some of these places. But there was a report yesterday talking about where there is video surveillance. Um, first and foremost, I guess, just why is it important to get these reports on just what uh, video surveillance is being used for in the district? Video surveillance is important for us to get a report on, uh, one, so that we know where it's happening. Um, in some cases, it's a privacy issue, so we need to let people know that there is video surveillance at those sites, especially on school buses. So all of our school buses have video surveillance. Uh, everything gets recorded so that if something happens on a bus, we have a record of what happens. Obviously, a bus driver is paying most attention to what's happening on the road and they can't always see what's happening behind them. Video surveillance makes sure that we have an accurate record of what happens so that if something does go wrong on a bus, we know what's happening and we can uh, find out very quickly what's what went wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense and hopefully the bus driver's paying uh, most attention to the road. Anyway, that's what they're there for is to drive. So that's uh, it's good to hear and glad that there is some sort of uh, measure in place to at least be able to monitor what's going on at the back of the bus. But um, like I was saying earlier, there was some issues when it came to threats at schools and there was a lot of talk at that time from the just from people in the public thinking that if there was more video surveillance at some of these locations, like uh, in Sahali Secondary, for example, that maybe 
some of these things could be deterred. Has there been any thought or any discussion around expanding the use of video surveillance across the district? We use video surveillance where we have um, high rates of vandalism. Um, so that's why we do have video surveillance at some places. Um, generally, we don't like to have video surveillance uh, too much uh, because it is an invasion of privacy for somebody who may just be walking across the school grounds. Um, there is uh, considerations that have to be put in place in and around that. Uh, it is public property. Um, so we have to be very careful about how we put video surveillance in place, and uh, that is a major concern for us. Okay, so no, no talk, at least at this point, about potentially expanding the use of video at this time? We put video in where it's uh, felt to be needed, and uh, it's something that's on a that's uh, reassessed every year. Okay, fair enough. All right, Kathleen, I think that's pretty much all I had for questions for you. Anything else that you wanted to highlight from uh, yesterday's meeting before I let you go? Um, we had an excellent uh, presentation from uh, with regards to our uh, healthy schools coordinator yesterday. Um, the, the program with our healthy schools focuses on food literacy, mental health literacy, and physical literacy. Uh, projects that they've been working on this year that have been absolutely amazing uh, is uh, the box program that we have, which is building our kids' success. That's a movement and exercise program that some schools are doing where students are doing 30 minutes of medium to high intensity exercise every day. They've found that uh, by doing that at the beginning of the day that they've improved uh, student focus and uh, it's uh, quite the program. They also had uh, some students through Student Voice and a joint project with TRU uh, nursing Department and Respiratory Health and the Interior Health Authority do a project on vaping and communicating with teens about the facts of vaping and uh, some of the side effects and uh, repercussions of it. And again, a great project, uh, very much student-led and uh, very high impact. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for highlighting that. I really appreciate it. And, of course, the conversation around vaping. Yes, very hot topic here earlier in the year. Of course, when COVID-19 hit, it sort of took a back seat. So uh, thanks for highlighting that. Well, appreciate you taking the time, Kathleen. Always enjoy talking to you. And I think it's really important to get the word out on what's happening here when it comes to School District 73. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That was the school board chair for School District 73. Kathleen Karpak. All right, well, it's time for me to take a quick break, but when I come back, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be chatting here with the uh, spokesperson from BC Hydro. Yeah, people have changed a little bit their habits when it comes to electricity use throughout COVID-19. Yeah, I mean, maybe not using uh, less electricity, but they're using it at different times. We'll have details on that coming up next, so stick around on the Jeff Andrea Show. We'll be right back. Your opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks for being with me here on June the 16th. The latest report on electricity use here in British Columbia reveals that COVID-19 has created a bit of an atmosphere in which every day almost feels like the weekend. To talk more about what exactly this means, I'm joined on the line by BC Hydro spokesperson Susie Reeder. Susie, how are you doing here on this Tuesday? 
Good, good. Thank you. Uh, woke up a little later today than I normally would if I had a commute, like a lot of British Columbians. So, so that was nice. Um, our report did find that British Columbians are waking up on average over an hour later than they normally would pre-pandemic. Um, so this has created uh, electricity use peaking later in the morning. And we're also seeing earlier evening peaks. So yeah, just like you said, the electricity use patterns are now more closely resembling typical weekend patterns. Now, when we're saying it re- it looks more like a weekend as opposed to a typical weekday, is that just a change in, I guess, when people are using electricity as opposed to how much? Yeah, absolutely. So we found that residential power use overall has remained average. Uh, but when we look at when people are using power, uh, it, that's where we see the shift. So because people are waking up later, they may not have a, a commute. They may be working from home. We found that 40% of British Columbians are working from home five days a week and almost 70% are working from home at least one day a week. And many people have their kids home from school or daycare, so they're not doing that drop off. Um, so what we're seeing is that later morning electricity use peak that we would see on the weekend. So instead of peaking around 8 a.m. and then dropping off throughout the day, uh, we're seeing it uh, peaking around 9 a.m. and then continuing to uh, steadily go up during the afternoon. Um, and the only time that we actually see it start to drop off is late afternoon when people are probably going out for walks, getting some air, that kind of thing. So that's what we're seeing in the mornings. Um, And in the evenings, we're seeing um, an earlier peak in electricity use, so um, the opposite of what we're seeing in the morning, and that's probably because people are cooking dinner earlier, Um, they don't have to commute home from work, so they're able to do that, and people are also doing things like doing chores incrementally throughout the day instead of all after work uh, trying to get laundry in and get chores done. So that's just some of what we're seeing. Yeah, and and I mean, some of the stats that I saw in this latest report sort of basically show us when when I look online and I see videos or or uh, you know posts on social media about what people are doing to pass the time during this pandemic a lot of the stuff seems to really lay itself out here in this report talking about how a lot more people seem to be cooking or, or baking more often right I'm hearing a lot about how people are making sourdough or learning how to actually bake for the first time and and the study sort of uh, reveals that that is indeed the case here in British Columbia as well Yeah, absolutely. So we found that almost half of British Columbians are cooking now more than they were pre-pandemic and almost a quarter said they're making dinner earlier. Um, So that's kind of helping to explain that shift in evening peak and baking is up. I'm sure you've seen the um, banana bread Instagrams and the sourdough Instagram pictures. More than 40% of British Columbians we surveyed said that they're baking more. Um, And on top of that, we're doing chores at different intervals than we normally would. Instead of trying to pack all our chores in on the weekends or after our workday, we're seeing uh, more people doing laundry and chores on weekdays. And um, also, another thing in the evenings with less opportunity to go out, uh, see friends or um, go to restaurants, we're seeing people uh, watching more TV. So about 60% of British Columbians said they're watching more than they were pre-pandemic. And um, actually, there's a 15% that said they're actually watching more on weekdays. And uh, we're also seeing a bit of a delay in bedtime. Uh, 30% of those surveyed said they're going to bed later. So uh, maybe that has to do with streaming more TV. Maybe that has to do with not having to wake up as early for a commute. But um, bedtime has been extended for many British Columbians. 
Well, that makes sense, especially if they're getting up a little bit later as well, right? Not having yeah. to commute. So <laughs> extra hour in the morning means an extra hour at night, I suppose. Um, yeah, exactly. So with all this in mind, I mean, a lot of people, of course, are not potentially working either as much or, or maybe they got laid off completely and they might be looking to save some some dollars when it comes to their hydro bill. Uh, you know, as we look through these trends, is there anything that people can do to, to try to save a few dollars? Because obviously, you know, people are still going to watch their TVs or still going to do some baking, right? They need to pass the time somehow. But if they're going about doing these activities, is there any tips or tricks that you can provide to say this is a way to maybe you can save uh, a few dollars here and there and, and, and adjust your electricity use accordingly? Yeah, absolutely. So for customers looking to save energy and money, we recommend uh, when working from home using a laptop instead of a desktop that uses 80% less electricity. And uh, when it comes to cooking, uh, cooking with smaller appliances, even once in a while can save a lot of power. Um, so pressure cookers, microwaves, toaster ovens, they use uh, up to 75% less energy than using your electric oven. Um, and also tracking your electricity use. So using uh, your my Hydro account on bchydro.com just to see how your daily activities impact your household's electricity use so you can see those patterns and, and make little changes if need be. Uh, and also, we know that this is a really difficult time for a lot of our customers and we do have the COVID-19 relief fund. So that provides targeted bill relief for eligible BC Hydro customers, residential and business customers. Um, so you can apply until June 30th. Uh, and that is at bchydro.com slash COVID-19 relief. And do you have any idea um, just what the uptake has been for that relief fund at this point in time? Uh, how many applications we've received? Approximately, uh, yeah. For uh, residential customers, it's about 140000 that have applied for the relief fund. Um, and again, we're expecting more. They have until June 30th mm-hmm. to submit their application online. Okay, perfect. Awesome. Well, I think that's pretty much all I had for you, Susie. I just wanted to kind of highlight some of these interesting changes in people's behaviors. I just thought it was kind of interesting that people haven't necessarily changed what they're doing, but they are doing things at a bit of a different time. And I, I guess we didn't even talk about the one thing that I did notice that was kind of a maybe a bit of a negative to all of this, and that is people seem to be showering less, which I think is uh, kind of a shame. But I guess if you're not going out and you're not seeing anybody, you don't need to smell good. So I guess we'll take it for what it is. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate your time, Susie. That's Susie Reader with BC Hydro. Yeah, if you're out there and you're uh, not showering as often, I mean, I get it. I totally get it. You have a little bit more time. You're spending all your time sitting around by yourself. Uh, You know, you can... uh, you know, be more comfortable, I guess, with your natural scent. But uh, I would recommend taking a few more showers if you're one of those people who has been, uh, you know, slacking off a little bit in that department. And if you are looking for things to do, I mean, we were talking about just some of the activities that people are doing that is using more electricity, right? Whether it's the baking, watching lots of television. Well, if you want to get out of the house and you want to stay in your vehicle, well, Camelot Film Society has just put out, actually, a release saying that it's going to be offering a drive-in here in town. Yes, on uh, June 25 through 27 at the... uh, well, MacArthur Island uh, Park there. It's going to be offering some drive-in theater for you to watch. You can check out Trolls or Back to the Future. So a little double feature there. I think that's going to be something fun that a lot of people will want to do. So you can get your tickets now because it is online sales only. And of course there is that limit on the number of vehicles that can attend a uh, gathering. So you might want to get your tickets sooner than later. That just came out in the last hour or so. So there you go. If you want to get first dibs, now's your chance to do so. Well, on that note, it's about time for me to wrap things up. So I want to thank all my guests for joining me. And of course, a big thank you to all 
of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed a time while it lasted. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll be back here tomorrow at noon.